Um, love and submission. We've been talking about this for probably about three or four weeks now. And I just want to continue on this theme for another three, three weeks or so. Because um, I'm convinced and convicted that love and submission are in us and, and in us as individuals and in us as a community will produce the work of Christ within us, which means we will get to experience this incredible outcome of being his and coming into his life. Um, as we've been talking about, if, you, if you're new here today, you haven't been with us, um, he promises to love us with this incredible love, and then he asks us to surrender to him. Will you surrender to love? Will you let me love you into submission? And the more we know him, the more we're able to surrender to him, uh, because he's incredible. He's amazing. I've never encountered a love like his on this earth and any human being, and the only way you can is if that human being is surrendered to him. So it's fully possible to receive the love of the Father from a human, but only if they are surrendered to the Father. And um, he's the greatest person I've ever met, will ever likely to meet. And so personally for me, um, I just want to give him more and more of my life. And I want to let him define my life. And I don't want to be in control of my life. I don't want to hold the reins to my life and try and control it, because I tried that for 29 years, and it didn't get me anywhere. Um, so I bought that ticket, paid for it, tried it, didn't work. And if you're here today and you don't know, from one person to another, that's my story. And I would encourage you to stop trying to control your life, because it only ends up in heartache, it only ends up in a, in a bad place, and you'll never come in to experience the life that you've been created to. It's quite a simple message. Um, and I never want to take up those reins again, never, ever, and I've made a commitment not to, and the more I give him, the more life. What a great, what a great result that is. The more I die, the more I live. Well, uh, yeah, the more I die, the more I live. It works. His ways actually work. The more you hold on, no life. Anyone else found that? The more you try and create life, you find death. It's crazy, eh? But he's not crazy. He knows what he's doing. Just we don't. But anyway, um, at Furnace, we've been looking and discussing our values, which are on that wall over there, which say family, intimacy, lordship, leadership, evangelism, discipleship. Put into a nice word, it means filled. Filled with him. And uh, lordship is one of the things I've been talking about at, uh, at Furnace. And I'd said how Furnace, at Furnace, how lordship was the knowledge of God. Sorry, intimacy was the knowledge of God we carry. And lordship was the surrender to that position, to him. Um, here's what I shared with them. I said, we all want to be lord of our own ship. So lordship, we all want to be lord of our own ship. But there's a problem with that. We're no longer the owner of our ship. Did you realize that? So we all want to be, we all want to be Lord of our ship, but we're no longer the owner of our ship. Because we gave our lives away. Yes? When we all said, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. Come into my life. 
you then gave, gave the ownership papers of your life to him. Signed, sealed, delivered. He said, what a great exchange that is. See, all things have come from him. All things return to him. All things are his. So you and I are no longer our... We're no longer the owner of this ship. He is. The problem is, are you letting him be the owner of his ship? Not your ship. His ship. Who's the captain? 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20. Come with me. 1 Corinthians 6, 6. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Once again, this is Paul's writing. And this is a side note. Where to come into the life that Paul writes from, not the words. So we can get entangled with the words, but what we need to do as as people is come into the life that Paul is writing. Because he's writing from his position. What we want to do is we want to get tangled up and try and understand all the words and think if we understand the words, then we understand his position. No. You have to come into Paul's position to understand his words because he's writing his reality. He's trying to define a reality that's in him, that the Holy Spirit has revealed in him, put to him, because he's seeing things that are in him. I pray that your eyes of your heart would be enlightened to the knowledge of him. Does that make sense? So it's not the words of Christ. We want to know the word. Many people get entangled in the words and never come to know the word. They never have the life. So it's really hard to try and actually describe a life in you in human words. Whether that's English, Hebrew, Greek, whatever. It's a spiritual reality in a person that he's actually trying to. That's why we have to be people of the spirit to actually come into what's being communicated here, not get entangled in the words. See, the flesh tries to understand through the mind and the words. And we get caught up in all the words. And we completely miss the spiritual life reality that we're to be living from. Completely miss it. So he says this. I'm just going to, there's a whole context here. The body is the Lord's. Okay, there you go. We are his. 19, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Everyone say, my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Okay, who is in you? Whom you have from God and that you are not your own. Say, I am not my own. For you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. Are we glorifying God in our body, by our actions, by the demonstration of our lives, by our choices, by our thinking. Because we are no longer our own. We have no rights. Ooh, now you're touching on it. What do you mean we have no rights? I have rights. Everyone's fighting for their right. As followers of Christ, we have no rights. We've given up our rights and given our lives to him. The only rights we have is his life in us that we're supposed to be living for now. See, have we transitioned from that reality into the truth? 
Do we have that culture living within us because the kingdom of God is being established and built in us? Or we still have the kingdom of the world operating in us where we say, you know what? No, no, no. I'm the owner of my ship. And I will determine where my ship goes. Well, ultimately, you will reap the consequences of those choices. So we can play captain of our ship our whole lives. God loves us so much, he'll allow it. But what you won't experience is the life that you were supposed to have. It's simple. We determine everything. He created the way. He said, will you surrender to me? And ultimately, um, today's talk is about love and submission in a family. Meaning, for today's talk, the context is Danielle, myself, and Lily and Maddie. But really, I'm not talking about that. But I am. But I'm not. But I am, but I'm not. So, I hope you've got ears to hear, because I'm going to speak in that context, and then I'm going to probably come out of that context, and I'm going to speak back into that context, because I am talking about that. But I'm talking about more than that. Who's confused? <laughs> that makes three of us. <laughs> you see, just like there is a battle for lordship in his house, there is a battle for lordship in our house through these two little people and between Danielle and I. And so the second message you heard in this whole thing of love and surrender was, we, we gave you a glimpse, there's so much more, but we gave you a glimpse into our marriage of what love and surrender or submission looks like inside a marriage covenant. And I guess this morning I want to give you another glimpse into what it looks like between the four of us and how it's to outwork. Because there is a battle for lordship in our house between our children and Danielle and I as parents, who can relate to what I'm talking about? How many parents? How many parents have children? How many parents want to have children? We all are going to experience the very same thing if you go, if you have children, if you get married. You're going to experience lordship battles. Surrender, lordship. And what I'm discovering is it doesn't even matter how old these people are they seem to profess they have way more knowledge than anyone else, even though they've only been breathing for a few years. They seem to have acquired so much wisdom in these very short numbers of years that you don't know about, even though you've tried all their tricks and done all their tricks and played all their games. So you see five steps ahead of them before they even know themselves, and they wonder why things don't work out. It's so crafty, and I just can't help but think that's us and him. We think we know more. The Bible says there is a way that seems right to a man, but it ends only in death. But God, I know. Who are you to talk to me? Don't you know me? I'm, I'm, I've been living on this planet 45 years now, and I've acquired so much knowledge. Who are you, God? How old are you? <laughs> Son, I'm outside of time. <laughs> Who are you? 
Don't you know? I'm a somebody. And I look down and I see this little people saying the same thing to me in my house. We're somebody, Dad. We know. What do you know? You see, our home has a particular way in which it operates. Our home has a culture in it. And the children don't set the culture in the home. That's the problem with families today. The children are setting the culture in the home. The children are parenting the parents. It's a recipe for disaster. How can that be? How come the children are parenting the parents and the children are telling the parents how it should be? And there are parents going, yes, Johnny, yes, Sally, whatever you want. And the home is chaos. And that pathway is nothing but a pathway of destruction. And yet it can be the same here. We're going to tell him how it's going to flow. We're going to tell him how it works. We're going to tell him how it operates. We're going to tell him everything he doesn't know because he's got it wrong. And I'll tell you, if his love was not so patient and merciful, I'm so glad I was born on the right side of the covenant. Anyone else? (laughs) Because we're no different to the people on the other side of the covenant. We grumble, we whinge, we whine, we're stiff-necked, we think we're right. Even when he does signs and wonders in front of us and saves us and God, we still are not satisfied with that and we're not satisfied with what we have and we grumble and we gringe and we moan and we blah, 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 blah. Don't you know we're right? But we're not in the life that he says. We don't demonstrate him, but we're still right. Somehow we're still right, even though we're not in the life. (laughs) It's me. It's me and him. You see, what happens when you put kids, physical kids, on a pedestal because they have your heart? You get in trouble. See, when kids have your heart, when they are the center of your world because of the insecurity in you or the work that still hasn't been done in you, so you're not wholehearted, it's a world of trouble. And the kids start demanding and creating the culture. And if the parents aren't strong, the kids win. I don't know about you, but my kids would eat ice cream if they the whole time. Anyone else? What do you want for dinner? McDonald's. It's never Brussels sprouts, Dad. <laughs> Brussels sprouts are beautiful. What are you talking about? It's never broccoli and cauliflower with a bit of carrot on the side. No, it's pizza. Let's go to Pizza Hut or Denny's. And on the odd time, Lily surprises us and she says, quiche. <laughs> Check the temperature. <laughs> Are you feeling okay? Quiche. Couldn't believe it. What do you want for dinner? Her birthday one year. What do you want, Lil? Quiche, Dad. Good girl. 
So, are we a little bit this with him? I just want to stay on milk. Because milk's beautiful. You can now get banana flavor, strawberry flavor, chocolate flavor. Just give me milk. Give me ice cream. There are so many flavors of ice cream now. So I don't like caramel, I'll have hokey pokey. If I don't like hokey pokey, I'll have Neapolitan. If I don't have Neapolitan, I'll have chocolate chip mint. If I don't, there's so many flavors that are available of ice cream. So if you don't give me my ice cream, I'm going to go find someone who will give me the flavor I want. Because I love ice cream. And I don't want Brussels sprouts. I've had a good steak. But an iron. You see, in our home, they'd be happy with ice cream. All day, every day, 24-7. But if I'm a loving parent, is that love to give my children ice cream every day? Maybe as a treat. But as the, as the ongoing substance of their diet, is it love to say no? Or am I just a baddie? Am I a meanie? I don't like you anymore because you don't give me what I want. No, son, I give you what you need. You see, in our home, it ain't a democracy. It's a theocracy. You know, in his home, it ain't a democracy. We want it to be, but it ain't. It's a theocracy. There is a king of the kingdom. And in our home, there are kings of the Simnor kingdom. And they're going to define the culture in which the little people live in. The little people don't like that culture at times, but it's good for them even though they don't yet maybe realize it. But if the little people define the culture, oh no, we're in trouble. Because once again, we're going to be watching funny programs. We're going to be abusing technology. We're going to be spending more time playing games than we are getting to know him. And family and family spend time with one another. Why? Because the maturity of this little person will determine a whole lot of outcomes. And so the one who's more mature needs to play a role. You tracking with me? So are the little people in our home going to surrender to the bigger people's authority? Are the little people in this home going to surrender to the bigger people's authority? Why? Why would you want to do that? Ah, great question, Greg. Because that's where transformational life is. That's where the fullness of life is found. I don't think it is. I think my way is right. I think I want a king. Well, I don't want you to have a king. Israel, but we want a king, and what we want, we will find and we will have. But I don't want you to have a king, you already have a king, 
You don't need another king because you already have a king. No, we don't. We want a king. We want our king. Huh. There is a way that seems right to a man, but it aims only in death. Proverbs 14, 12. Proverbs 10, 17. He is on the path of life who heeds instruction. So he who is on the path of life heeds instruction. But he who ignores reproof goes astray. What about 1 Corinthians 8, 2? If anyone supposes that he knows anything, he has not yet known as he ought to know. Daniel and I discipline our children when their behavior doesn't match the culture or the value system of our home. Is that love or not? Some people saying yes, some people looking at me a little bit cross-eyed, some people are like, depends what the culture is. Our dog even gets defined by the culture in our home. Mate, she's hard work. Why did I ever say yes to a dog? I think the kids must have won that one. Good old Layla. Come with me to Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, 5 to 11. Hebrews 12, 5 to 11. You see, we discipline our children, our physical children, because we love them. We love them. We know it's good for them. This is what the word's going to actually say. Hebrews 5, 12. Sorry, Hebrews 12, sorry, 5. <clears throat> Starts by the title in my book as a father's discipline. And you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. Okay. Who's a son here? Who's received the spirit of Christ? Received the adoption of sons, yeah? Don't we love that? Man, I'm a son. Oh, are you a son? I'm a son, man. You know what that entitles me to? All the things that he was entitled to. What does that look like? Discipline. No, 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 I don't want that. I want signs and wonders, reaching the lost people, prophecy, my gift, my money, my possessions. I want to be blessed. I want all these things. Yep. No, I don't discipline. That's the big D word, isn't it? No, 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 I didn't sign up for that. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 you did. So let's read about it. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are approved by him. <laughs> for those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. And he scourges every son whom he receives. Ooh, who's been disciplined here by God? Who's come out the other end of that and come into life? Thank you, Lord. Who's still resisting? <laughs> Good on you, Nick. Okay, seven. It is for discipline that you endure. Oh, man. So if you're disciplined, you're going to 
endure. Love endures all things. There's all these connections that get made. Okay? So if you're disciplined, you're going to endure. What do I have to endure? Trials, tribulations. Why? So hope is perfected within me. Oh. Okay. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? Parents, if we are not having healthy discipline in our home, you will not have a healthy home. The home will be chaotic. Chaos, your life will be chaotic and chaos, you'll always be busy, you'll always be running around because you're not defining the culture of your home, your children are. So we have to, if we want the life Christ is calling us, we have to apply the wisdom of God into our homes. Um, verse 8, but if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Should we read that again? But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Truth will make you free. Truth will repel you at the same time. These aren't my words, these are his, straight out of his manual for life. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they, for they discipline us for a short time as seemed best to them. But he, God, disciplines us for our good so that we may share his holiness. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful. And we just said that, didn't we? Who loves discipline? Yeah, you can get to love it though because you realize it's the pathway of life. But sorrowful, yet, this is powerful, to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. The peaceful fruit of righteousness. Living a right life, a life of joy, peace, righteousness in the Holy Spirit. Not running around, not living in anxiousness and worry and getting tossed to and fro but through going through a process of being transformed because you're disciplining yourself spiritually, you come out of the process walking tall. Shoulders back, walking tall. Things come, whatever. See, there's a purpose for discipline. And God allows situations and circumstances, He allows them, He allows them for us to shape and mold us to produce something within us which is for us. Ultimately, which is about an eternal reality. But if we keep running away from the situations that he allows, then ultimately we're running away from him, aren't we? Because he's going, Greg, what are you doing? I've allowed this to do a work. See, if we don't know who he is, 
we're probably going to run away from it because we don't think it's even him. Because it doesn't fit into our mindset of what Christianity even looks like. No, no, you bless me. You literally just bless me and my life's going to be beautiful. Really? Where did you get that out of there? Because I see the opposite. I'm actually going to send you trials. I'm going to put you in the wilderness where the devil is going to come and tempt you. Really? Yeah, my God wouldn't do that. No, no, but the God of the Bible does. Mm. So this discipline thing is quite a big thing, isn't it? Well, it's big in my home as well. Anyone as a father or a mother been told, I hate you? Anyone? I say, that's all right, I love you. I hate you, you're horrible, you don't give us anything we want, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Slam the door. <laughs> Sit there, you have a little bit of a chuckle because you see yourself 30 years ago. Yeah, that was me, my dad and my mum. I told my mum I hated her. I was 14. Had an argument with her, I hate you. I really upset her too. My dad came in. And uh, yeah, you know my dad, man. He's not. He wasn't never as big as me, but man, he was bigger than me. <laughs> I remember him sitting down, and he's cool as you like. Just sat down, said, "Son, you upset your mum." Said, "Yep." Yeah. He looks at me straight in the eye, and says, "Um, don't ever come between me and your mother." He says, "Son, I brought you into the world. I'll take you out of it." <laughs> He got up and walked out. <laughs> and how many years ago was that? 30 years ago. And I remember it like it was yesterday. See, that was my father in love. I don't, I don't know how you think about that. For me, that was my father in love, instilling something in me and creating a culture of a line that I dare not overstep. And it was good for me. Because I knew my dad loved me. I knew my dad disciplined us out of love. He never beat us. And yes, that goes on today. And that's, that's that. But we can't confuse that with discipline. And the father wants to discipline you and I as his sons. Like we are disciplining our children for the benefit of our children. We don't do it to hurt them. We do it for their goodness and the fulfillment of who we want them to be. And God is no different. So just come with me to 1 Timothy 4, 7. Because think about this whole discipline thing. And this is awesome, what I'm about to read. 1 Timothy 4, 7. Once again, the title in my Bible says, A Good Minister's Discipline. 1 Timothy 4, 7. It says this. But have nothing to do with worldly fables, fit only for old women. <laughs> Sorry, ladies. <laughs> On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness, righteous living. Okay? For bodily discipline is only of little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things 
since it holds promise for the present life and also what? For the life to come. Whoa! So not only is it for now, but really what it's for is for the eternal purpose for the church in another dimension that we have been given the opportunity to receive our inheritance, our crown, our reward. If we will go through the process here on earth, it's for a much greater purpose than just now. And it's saying, what's the point really? It's great if you discipline your body now, but really what it's for is for something in the future. And you and I can know that future today. It's the revealing of the future today that empowers the discipline for today. But do we have ears and a mind and a heart that's hungry to go after what is for the future now today? Are we going to discipline ourselves to go after it in the spirit, not the flesh? Are we going to position ourselves or... There's a way that seems right to a man, but it ends only in death. I'm just too busy. I'm too busy with what? My husband, my wife, my children. You, you, I mean, we've started playing sport. I'm coaching football. I'm loving it. My girls aren't playing football, but I'm coaching football. Madeline's playing netball. She's loving it. You see, there are all these things you can be doing in life. But are we taking care of business first place priority? And are we allowing that to define all those things or are those things defining us? Because there is a reality on offer now for the church to come into if it wants it. But will we discipline ourselves to come into it? Will we go through what we need to go through to come into it? Or do we sit on the other side just waiting and demanding it come on our side? It's raining on the other side of the road. Who can remember Mike Hewitson's word about two years ago? It's raining on the other side of the road, but we say, no, we want it to rain on our side of the road. We're not moving on the other side of the road. It's got to move to us. God says, really? Who's running this show, you or me? See, we just, we're like children. We want what we want. I want ice cream. I don't want to sit here and demand ice cream till I get ice cream. I'm not eating that rubbish. What's that? Macaroni cheese. You're trying to sneak in that, aren't you, Daniel? Hey, and the quiche, look at that. The veggies are going in there. That's how we hoodwink our kids. <laughs> Lily hasn't figured that out yet. Inside quiche is vegetables. Subtle as a dove and shrewd as a serpent right there. I'm not eating that. What's that? No, no. Until it comes right what I want, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to do what I want. That's the church. That's us. And yet, discipline will bring us into a realm that we don't even think now exists yet. We don't even have eyes to see it yet. Yet it's right there. Proverbs 25.2 It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings, plural, to go searching and looking for it. So are we kings? Chris is. It's, it's kings. Not king. 
kings? Or are we just happy with what we've got? Options are all ours. Just some questions. Is it love to feed your children ice cream their entire lives? Is it love to give your children what they want and demand? Is it love to give your children the keys to your car when you know they are not mature enough to handle that? Is it love to give the drug addict their drugs when you are trying when they are trying to get clean even though they are screaming at you to? Is it love to know of a true reality that exists in God and not share it because in sharing it you risk, run the risk of being killed, breaking relationships, being misunderstood, misrepresented and walked away from? We confuse discipline with law and say there is no love. We confuse discipline with, you're being so hard and horrible. No, 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 no. I'm loving you right now. But you're so immature, you don't even know that. You see, you can't see, hear, taste what it even is because of the state you're in. And that's okay. But what's not okay is to actually now fight against the other thing that's trying to help you. We're not eating that. Well, I'm loving you because I'm actually putting vegetables in front of you. Why? Because I love you. I don't hate you. This isn't hard. This isn't horrible. I'm trying to love you into a reality because it's for you. But see, we confuse it all. Why? Because we're looking for what we want. And if it doesn't come in the package we want, we'll justify it away. Love ultimately gives a person what they need and not what they want. And love is prepared to suffer the consequences for this. If we're truly going to be followers of Christ, he will call us to go to our brothers and sisters and help them at the leading of the Spirit and help them come out of a reality they're in and into more of him. And we have to run the risk of being killed, walked away from, misrepresented, hated, spoken about wrongly. And the question is, are we prepared to? Are we prepared to be our brother's keeper? Am I my brother's keeper? You should have been, but you killed him. Oops. Interesting, isn't it? I worked for a company before I started here, and I'm not going to mention the company. And me and another person, at this time I was in Wellington, and they were in Palmerston North, and we went to a sales course in Wellington. And we did the sales course. It was an awesome time of three days. And then on the last night the sales manager for Wellington and the area manager for this company took us out for dinner. And uh, we're in Lower Hut, and it's a great night having food, um, but the area manager started getting on the plonk a bit too much than what he should have. He was getting more and more drunk. He's a young guy. He's older than me, but a young guy, good at what he did, had a bit of an ego, though, um, one beer after the next, started getting a bit drunk. We were trying to say, maybe you should settle down. He was saying, nah, I'm all right, I'm all right. Thought he was bulletproof. Uh, then we go outside onto the street, and he's looking for his keys. 
because he wants to drive his car home, but he's sort of a little bit like this. And the guy that I was with, who was doing the sales calls with me, grabbed the keys off him and said, you're not having the keys. He's the area manager. This guy's an employee. He's saying, you're not having the keys. And we stood there together saying, you're not having the keys. And this guy gets up in our face now. Give me the effing keys or I'm going to knock your effing block off. And by the way, remember who I effing am. You ain't getting the keys. The sales manager grabs him by the collar and pulls him away. And they start walking away. And he's effing this and effing that. And I turned towards the guy's worth and I said, man, that was interesting, wasn't it? And as we're talking and we turn around, all of a sudden, from about where the door is out there to go into the toilet, we see this person sprinting towards us. And we're looking and we're going, what's he going to do? And he's getting closer and I said to this person, he's going to go for you. No, nah, no, nah, he wouldn't do that. I'm going, he's going to go for you. I don't know, you see the look in someone's eyes? He's going for you. And sure enough, and he must have jumped for where Simon was, and this guy played rugby, and he dived in the air and rugby tackled this other guy to the floor. Give me my effing keys. Now, what was interesting, the guy that got rugby tackled could have taken him out like that because he was a black belt. This guy didn't know that. He's, and he took one. He took a punch. And he said, I'm not giving you, and we managed to get him off, to which they then, the sales manager in the area, took off and walked to their hotel. Was that love? Or was that him being horrible? You see, God plays this role with us, and we play it with our children. And it's love. Why? Because God wants us to come into a reality that's for us. And so he disciplines us like we discipline our children so they come into it. That guy ended up getting sacked. He even tried to lie his way out of what happened. Which was interesting on its own. Danielle and my heart's desire is that our children wouldn't just keep the way we operate of our home being obedient to our guidelines, and that's it. But that they would come into the vibrant life that this way produces. That wisdom, understanding, and transformational knowledge has been established within them, which enables them to live from this new life. If all we do is keep our guidelines, if all they do is keep our guidelines without the corresponding life, then ultimately this is a defaulted position. And more often than not, it leads us into a position of haughtiness and self-righteousness. And when mum and dad aren't around, there's not the work done within to maintain the life. Hence why, if all we do is keep commandments and think that's what God wants, then we're missing it. I'm pleasing, Lord, because I kept the commandments. Now, what's pleasing is when you come into the transformational life of the commandment. Don't stop at keeping a commandment. Come into the transformational life that sits behind the commandment. 
That is the whole goal, the point. Not just the keeping of the principle. I've given you my divine promises so you can partake of the divine nature. And this is what we want for our children. I don't want Lily and Maddie going, yes, Dad, yes, Dad, robots, yes, Dad, yes, Dad, yes, Dad, yes, Dad. And then as soon as Dad removes himself or Mum from their environment, guess what? They're wild. Same with God. And we need to hear that this morning because our natural position that's in us, give me the rules so I'm a good boy. My dog. <laughs> Am I good, Dad? Am I good? Have I done it well? Get back on your mat. I don't want to have to keep telling my dog to stay on her mat. I want her to fall in love with me so she just stays on that mat. Can you hear what I'm saying? See, through the physical, we can learn way more in the spiritual. Jesus said the same things to these men, religious men. This is where I'm going to wrap it. Matthew 9, 11 to 13. Then it happened that as Jesus was reclining at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were dining with Jesus and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, when the religious spirited persons saw this, they said to his disciples, why is your teacher eating with tax collectors and sinners? But when Jesus heard this, he said, it is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire compassion and not sacrifice. I desire love. Not just someone who ticks boxes, who keeps rituals, who does these things. If it's not producing love, if it's not producing maturity, if it's not producing being growing up, if it's not creating Christ within you, walking, he is the guideline. He is the standard. He is. He wants to remove all those things from us, around us, so now they're in us, so we just know how to live. Can you hear what I'm saying? It's him in you that becomes the guideline, the parameter. You don't go there, not because someone's telling you you don't, because Christ within you is in you, so you don't go there. They are the natural outworking of having him within you. They are not what you're chasing or to be chasing. Same with my children. I'm not trying to get them to follow the guidelines or the rule book. They might need it because of their immaturity of where they're at to help them get to the goal I'm trying to lead them to. So they may need a stepping stone because they're not at the maturity to handle that. You hear what I'm saying? Because it's not wisdom if I'm trying to give my children a responsibility they don't have the maturity for, is it? They're going to get caught up. But the goal isn't to keep them in that state. The goal is to lead them into Christ, Christ within them. So now they're in a mature state whenever they just walk. And those things are living within them. Same with you and I. Empowered through what? Love and submission. What does God desire? A church that loves him with all their heart, soul, mind and strength. We keep coming right back to the great commandment.